Folks, before we jump into today's highlights, I just have to ask you, do you want to put 50 years of baseball history in your pocket? I know what you're thinking. It's not going to fit, but it really will because it's all in audio format. These are lost pieces of baseball history told to you from baseball cathedrals. They're, they're told to you by icons of the game from Red Barber, Ernie Howell to Harry Carey. I get goosebumps personally listening to these games and even thinking about the interviews and what these players are going to share with me. I know what you're thinking. Is this AI? Are there bots? Is there some magic potion here that are making these things appear? And I'm telling you, they're not. These games are real. They were done by real people at that specific moment in time. All the iconic moments, the interviews, none of it's reproduced, none of it's AI. It's all real, but done again by real people. If you want to check them out, uh, there's a free intro offer. Jump on over to VintageBaseballReflections.com. And there's over 2,500 audio clips and games for you to put in your pocket, take on walks with you, hang around the fireplace and listen, put them on the porch, invite some friends over. However you want to listen, you're going to be able to listen in these amazing moments in baseball history. Use this coupon this day for a special gift at the checkout. Welcome fans to This Day in Baseball, The Daily Rewind. Welcome to episode three of the podcast, where we are bringing you back in time to relive a piece of baseball history. Thank you for joining us. Today, we are going to rewind back to April 3rd, 1987. But before I do, here's some quick trivia for you. This pitcher was known as a bit of a flake, and over his long career, he will develop a syndicated comic strip, which he will feature a baseball storyline. He will become known for a famous phrase, leading both an expansion team and later one of the original franchises to the World Series. Although he came up short the first time, he helped pitch the original franchise to their first title in franchise history. His son will become a famous country music star. Now, who am I? Now, on to the rewind. On April 3, 1987, the Chicago Cubs trade seemingly over-the-hill pitcher Dennis Eckersley to the Oakland A's for three minor league players. The A's had targeted Eckersley as a middle relief pitcher, which typically started the end of a career for most starting pitchers. Although he was effective in 1984 and 1985 when healthy, he was 31 years old, and his career seemed to be closing. Except, Dennis Eckersley had a different story to write. You see, Eckersley was traded from the Boston Red Sox to the Chicago Cubs for Bill Buckner in 1984. Now, Bill Buckner is a totally different story. But at the time, Eckersley was just 29 years old. But he had given up 37 home runs in his last 37 starts, and his ERA was hovering above 5. But after the trade, in 1984, he managed to finish the season with 14 wins, and he did help pitch the Chicago Cubs into the playoffs. And he did pitch well in 85 as he was 11-7, and seven, but he missed several starts after he started to develop tendonitis in his shoulder. And in 1986, the wheels fell off. The Eck, known only to a few, admittedly was a wash in booze. All the day games in Chicago... Help do me in, he would say. I was drinking a lot, 
and by that time, I knew I had a problem. I had actually quit a few months before the 1985 season, but even though I knew I had a problem, I couldn't deal with it. I was losing all my self-esteem and self-destruction, yet I couldn't do anything about it. That winter, only his family, wife, and some close friends knew he had checked himself into Rehab Center for Alcoholism after the family had showed him a video of himself drunk. When the Athletics acquired him from the Cubs in 1987, they didn't know they were getting a new Eck. The new Eck was dedicated to fitness and sobriety. He himself would say he was a newborn man. Oakland GM at the time, Sandy Alderson, would say, We'd done the normal scouting. All we were going off is what we saw that he had done in the past. And then Hall of Fame manager Tony LaRusso would say, All I knew was that Dennis Eckersley was a great competitor. We put him in the bullpen to see what would happen. And the Oakland A's outstanding pitching coach, Dave Duncan, got the idea he'd make a really good reliever. Eckersley got the chance to shine when Jay Howell, the A's then-closer, suffered shoulder problems in the second half of 87. Eck took to the role of closer immediately, and he finished with 16 saves. The A's would then trade Howell in the offseason, giving Eckersley the role of closer. Eckersley would say, a year earlier, I don't think it would have worked. I couldn't have been an everyday pitcher when I was drinking. But at Oakland, I changed jobs at precisely the right time, and I give the A's credit for that. Well, the A's gamble really paid off in this trade, as the franchise would win the division four out of the next five years, from 1988 to 1992. They'd make three World Series appearances and won it all in 1989. The Eck appeared in over 500 games during his tenure in Oakland, saving 320 of them. He would also win a Cy Young and an MVP award. In fact, he was so dominating over a three-year stretch, he only allowed 143 total base runners in 203 innings. Eck credits LaRusa and Duncan on being experts in handling the bullpen for his success. They certainly played a part, but the Eck himself deserves much of the credit. He had proven to be a stand-up player. He answered questions unmercifully against the Boston media after the 1979 Boston Massacre. And then he himself created the term walk-off home run after Kirk Gibson's famous World Series home run hit off of Eckersley in 1988 when he stood up to 30 minutes of endless questions from the press. And then he also stood up to a disease that few do to turn his life around. The act will be rewarded when he is inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2004 on the first ballot, and he will give a riveting Hall of Fame speech. You can read more about events that happen on April 3rd. Go to thisdayinbaseball.com slash April 3rd, and you can also read more about the act on his page. Simply go to thisdayinbaseball.com and search Dennis Eckersley. This podcast is sponsored by Steiner Sports. Every day I walk through my den slash man cave and I get to see Bobby Thompson's shot heard round the world. Jackie Robinson sliding into home, Willie Mays' catch, Ricky Henderson, Andre Dawson, and four Red Sox World Series headlines. I could go on and on here. There are just dozens of fantastic memories that fill my walls. Steiner Sports has over over 11,000 pieces of unique memorabilia for you to remember your favorite day, player, or event. 
If you love baseball and you want to own your memories, they're only click away. Head over to thisdayinbaseball.com slash memorabilia and check out what Steiner Sports has for you. Or just head over to thisdayinbaseball.com and look for the memorabilia in our sidebar widgets and in the navigation bar. Now, to answer that trivia question, he coined the phrase, you gotta believe, while pitching for the New York Mets in 1973. The Mets had done just enough to win, to win the division and made it to the World Series, but they lost in seven hard-fought games to the reigning world champion Oakland A's. He would later lead Philadelphia to their first World Series title in 1980. His famous pitch was the screwball, which was also the name of his cartoon. I'm speaking of Frank Edward McGraw, or more famously known as Tug McGraw. Thanks for joining us on The Rewind. It's my pleasure to share this story with fellow baseball fans. Please remember to like, share, subscribe, and comments are welcome below. You can also browse our entire back catalog and visit thousands of stories on thisdayinbaseball.com. Thanks for joining us today. <laughs>